Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dennis Podman. I'm your host, Kevin Farrigan, and joining me today is uh, one of my longest uh, internet friends. <laughs> we still never met in person yet, which is really a shame, but I've uh, known, known this guy a very long time. He's actually the uh, one half of the uh, composition team that created uh, our theme music for the podcast. Uh, he is the creator of the hottest um all-in-one metric that's out there that's got all the people talking. Uh, it's called DRIP, uh, which is Daily Rating of Individual Performance. Um, it's a it's a great name. I definitely didn't have anything to do with helping to come up with it. <laughs> um, but we're joined today by uh, Nathan Walker. Nathan, hey. hello. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Hey, man. So glad to, you know, be able to talk to you. Uh, I'm not sure we've ever even had like a one-on-one conversation yeah. I mean, didn't you come on? Didn't you come on nothing but nylon one time? I feel like you did. It sounds like me. I don't know. I thought I did it with like Ian or something. I don't know. It's been a minute. But either way, it's really awesome to hear your voice and super excited to be on the pod. Yeah, yeah, we're we're excited to have you on. Or I'm excited. I guess I don't need to to, <laughs> to speak about myself and what even is that? Is that the okay? Now I'm going on a Zach Lowe tangent. Fourth person. <laughs> yes, the fourth person. That there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, wanted to have you on uh, your your metric. Uh, like I said, is is drip, um, and it's I think uh, you know came out with a pretty slick presentation and, and a nice intro article. Um, you know, a few like a few days before the start of the season, I think that a lot of people uh, have now started referencing it um, because you know it's it's pretty well done. Um, and so I just wanted to get in a little bit into sort of. Uh, philosophically um what you're trying to do with it and uh you know big picture sort of methodology and then we'll probably get into the into the weeds on it because uh you know i obviously have some questions sure yeah absolutely um so yeah i i should you know i had a lot of people at stats perform uh the company i work for help out with this code base so um a lot of people i want to thank there in particular uh lucas haupt uh who Help me with a lot of the code. Um, so I want to get want to say that first, but then also say that uh, to answer the main question, that's that drip is very very similar to Darko uh, by Kostya Medvedovsky, um, and yeah. So you know, um, well, I'm just going to jump in here uh, real quick, Nathan. Just assuming that uh, the the uh, bulls faithful that, that might be listening to this might, maybe don't know what Darko sure. is. I mean, yeah, I, I'm yeah. guessing if they follow me on Twitter and they listen to this podcast, they probably do. But for the, the folks who don't, uh, what is Darko? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, to the best of my knowledge and understanding Darko basically is a, um, it's a combination of projections Um Kind of similar to some baseball projections, um, I think Zips and is one of them. But basically, uh, instead of like trying to say, instead of like taking a player's single season like points per hundred possessions or their whole career um, or maybe like their last five games, uh, it tries to predict like, hey, what's their three point percentage or whatever going to be tomorrow? What's their assist rate going to be tomorrow? Um, and so there's a lot of advantages to that. Um, and the way the system works is it uses every game that a player has played in their career. Um, and so basically 
takes every single game that a player has played and then tries to find the best way to update. Um, so, you know, we don't lose any data, right? So we, we get the benefit of a large sample size eventually. Um, but you can also kind of update based on recency. Um, so if you've uh, heard of like the chess metric ELO, um, which, you know, people use for sports sometimes, basically tries to just figure out like, hey, is this change in a player's performance real? Um, is And to what degree is it real? And then the way you do that is just by uh, making a machine learning projection. Yeah, so that's that's Darko. And, and to, you, to you, the point that you were making, I think, before I cut you off and asked you to <laughs> explain Darko, that is broadly a similar approach to uh, what you're doing with Drip. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So we're, yeah, really trying to get, um, in the article we call it like now casting. So you know, you've got like forecasting. Um, but now casting is just like, what is the current best estimate of um, of each kind of box score stat for each player? Um, and then obviously the the final step, <laughs> the kind of the most fun step and most controversial step is you convert, take all these numbers and put them into an all-in-one rating. Um, so drip is is what we call our all-in-one rating. Um, uh, yeah, very similar in in nature, but yeah, taking basic box score plus minus type statistics and rolling them up into a single value um, using kind of some of the similar methodologies to other stuff like PIPM. Gotcha. So did you develop for drip specifically for the per 100 estimate of, uh, you know, impact? Did you use weights for the box score categories that were already out there or did you guys uh, roll your own and sort of if you were doing that wh what were you what was your what were you projecting against I guess as far as uh, the statistics like you know it's a it's essentially a um, statistical plus minus uh, but what what is your sort of de dependent variable that you're bumping that up against yep yeah so we used uh, um, Ryan's uh, three-year wrapum um, okay. So if you go to Ryan's site, he's got RIPM. There's there's a, a few reasons for why we, we chose so, that number. So for the audience, Ryan is Ryan Davis. Ryan His Davis. site is right. nbashotcharts.com. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I mean, I, I know we're, we're talking and you and I know what we're talking about, but, you know, obviously. Honest, this is, honest uh, to goodness, I just forgot his last name for a second. I was like, <laughs> crap. <laughs> no, that's fine. But yeah, just the, the important thing for the audience is just nbashotcharts.com is the, his website that has uh, sort of, I guess, pure uh, RAPM. Uh, so that's your regularized adjusted plus minus, which doesn't include any box score information. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the the target there is is kind of your offensive and defensive um, RAPM. Gotcha. So that, and then you, you used, uh, was that... Was that single year or was that three year? Or yeah, um, the the approach we took. Yeah, there's there's a few reasons we did it, but basically we we just took uh, several kind of three year chunks. So basically, all the three year chunks you can find on nbashotcharts.com. That was kind of the the training set. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I did a similar thing when I was uh, trying to build a, a sort of tracking uh, tracking plus minus replacement because uh, um, we had different tracking 
data sets uh, after Andrew Johnson had his player tracking plus minus that right. kind of uh, went out of out of vogue um, because the the data sets were different. The data supplier right. was different. RIP. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <yeah, so, laughs> um, but uh, in yeah, so some of the values change, which obviously makes you know the you can't just overlay the the same uh, inputs and assume right. that they're going to work the same, obviously. Right. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, interesting. Um, and then, so for the, you, do you, you incorporate, is it just box score that you're using or to project plus minus, or are you also including some of the, the plus minus data in a way, like you mentioned that you take it a similar approach to PIPM. Yep. Does, are you blending those two? Yep. So we, um, we have, a yeah, um, the short answer is that we are using yep, both on-court and off-court, um, offensive and defensive kind of plus-minus. So your kind of your offensive and defensive ratings for the lineups you're in while you're on the floor and off the floor. Um, mm-hmm. There's some kind of inherent issues with that, which a lot of people <laughs> talk about. Um, you know, it's something I've focused on a lot in the past has been luck adjustments. Uh, we currently are not doing luck adjustment at the moment. Um, that's something we are definitely going to implement in the future, um, but yeah, it's just it's just kind of like your your plus minus, uh, and then um, that goes into the a big machine learning model, um, and then basically just estimates what it thinks your wrapum should be based on those numbers. Makes sense. Yeah, that, that um, yeah, Nathan has done a lot of work on uh, luck adjustments, and if I remember correctly, you were the one that created the the luck adjustment calculation that actually. Uh, fed PIPM. Yep. Um, and uh, I actually, um, the last few days, I've been tweeting out luck adjusted uh, team level uh, efficiencies for uh, offense defense and then net uh, on my on my Twitter feed. And that's using that same calculation that uh, Nate came up with yep. uh, a few years back. Um, that's right. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so and that, uh, the good thing about that luck adjustment uh, compared to some of the other ones that I've seen people use, um, I think a lot of people just adjust for three-point shooting and kind of call that luck adjusting. But <laughs> three-point shooting isn't the only area uh, that is that has some level of right. variance or instability in it. Um, yep. So you need to adjust sort of across all of the the factors that go into offensive and defensive efficiency. Um, and you're obviously pulling always back towards sort of league average, um, which is part of the reason why I, uh, I've made my, uh, the, the display that I've been using for the offensive and defensive, uh, efficiencies relative to, to league average, um, just because it's a little bit, uh, cleaner and easier to understand when you're, when you're looking at it. And also, I think if I recall correctly, that the, the, uh, luck adjustment, uh, calculation, um, because it does take in, uh, the average um, as part of it, it, it doesn't necessarily always center on the um, this the same center that yep. that you're at currently. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it it's kind of trained on on a certain league context, but then the current league context, obviously, um, offense is quite a bit higher, that sort of thing. So it kind of skews all the numbers. So yeah, versus like a, an average is is better for sure. 
Yeah, um, and that's one of the other things that I, I, I know that Darko incorporates, and I, I'm curious uh, if if you're um, if, if Drip and, and the projections that feed Drip have a similar thing. Is uh, I think uh, Kostya has mentioned, you know, uh, when you and I have talked to him about it, and also just on podcasts that he's been on to discuss uh, Darko, that it has sort of seasonality adjustments. Is that something that is incorporated in Drip as well, or is it uh, is is the sort of um, the updating function, uh, is it not accounting for what point in the season you're in? Yeah, that's a really good question. So yeah, um, so yeah, explain a little bit more of Drip. The um, We are not doing some of those kind of super interesting adjustments that Darko does um, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. The main reason being, you know, just got to get something off the ground. Um, MVP, but, baby. That's right. <laughs> not Nikola Jokic. Uh, minimal, minimum viable product is uh, the the tech speak yeah so um yeah we are we're not doing any sort of seasonality which has some benefits and some uh not benefits um so and we also are not including like playoff data so right now we are only we chose to only use regular season data um and so yeah i think at the beginning of the season you know players play like a little sloppier efficiencies are down that sort of thing um and we're not really taking that into account we're just kind of like starting at you know game 72 of of last season is, mm-hmm. is where we started this season um so yeah we're you know the benefit of that is is the numbers you see will kind of end up being a little bit closer to where you might um expect um like a normal value for example like three point percentage um the downside is just you know if you wanted to like use it for fantasy, it might be like slightly worse, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, we definitely plan on incorporating it, um, but I think just for like display purposes, I think we we wanted to keep it keep it. We wanted to keep it simple in terms of like the work we did, but also we wanted the numbers to kind of um, accurately reflect what people are kind of used to seeing. <laughs> yeah, no, that that definitely makes sense. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, part of the the reason um you know i know we keep referring back to to costia yeah yeah and darko but it's uh yeah it's like we i you know i owe we all of drip is owed to is owed to darko in in many ways because you know it's it was the first the first time anyone ever tried to do this really um Mm -hmm. on 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 so many levels and so yeah we you know, a lot of the knowledge, a lot of the the model ideas, you know, come directly from Darko. So definitely, huge yeah. props to Kostya for for Darko, and it's like it's incredible if you've never kind of played around with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that it, uh, I I refer to both Darko and uh, Drip uh, pretty much daily <laughs> to it's... to see uh, sort of what the leaderboard looks like and uh, to check in on. Um, you know, I, I think that Darko and and, uh, and you guys over um, at theanalyst.com, so that's the the website where Stats Perform puts all their uh, all of their uh, great analysis, um, and also where the the Drip leaderboard is. And I'll I'll post a link to that in the uh, the show notes of this. But um, I you guys both kind of added that that delta, <laughs> yeah. so like the the in season improvement uh, at, at around the same time, and I, I'm yeah. constantly <laughs> constantly looking at that because and like noting the differences and being like, hmm, yeah. I wonder. Uh, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm like, oh well, why did why did Darko think that? We didn't think that. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. 
Yeah. Well, it's it's just it's one of those things that's uh, you know even with such similar methodologies, um, you know the you get not in most cases the answers the answers are pretty similar, but in some cases there there's pretty significant differences um, in terms of what the you know individual players are uh, how they're valued. And I think that's like kind of a, a testament to sort of um, the inherent sort of fluidity of. Uh, uh, and just like how hard to tack down uh, basketball yeah. value kind of is hundred um, percent, yeah. And um, I think that that like maybe is a good uh, place to to or entry point into talking about um, dripping uh, in terms of how. Well, actually, um, well, I'll put a pin in that. F- first, I want to talk to you a little bit about what what makes uh, Drip unique uh, from Darko. Sure. Um, other than that, you know, your your website is a, is a little shinier than uh, than than the Darko uh, website. No offense, Andrew Patton, who I know has put in a lot of hours and a lot of work on on the Darko website. Oh, well, I I thought that was just a pun because it's a it's a shiny app. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we, yeah, well, well, you know, we're we're this is a full time job versus incredible uh, yes. incredible side side gig uh, for yeah. for Andrew. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. So drip. Is, yeah, well, we had to make it super shiny because uh, it's called Drip. And <laughs> exactly. so, yeah, uh, I would say I don't, you know, uh, some of the things that Darko does, you know, I, I don't all the way know. And um, and not everything Drip does is like public either. But um, I think uh, a couple of the main differences are um, that we, um, we are taking, we, we kind of have like a, individualized player projection for each stat um we give a, like a little there's a little example of that on the explainer page um but basically uh we found a way to um so we, we make 30 projections most of them are box score a couple of them are plus minus related um so these 30 different statistics um we um do a lot of work uh, to to try and get the best estimate for that, um, and that's that's where the bulk of the modeling uh, is done. Um, but then, kind of as a, a final step, we um, we were able to to find a way to kind of personalize to each player. Um, and the main reason for that is because um, machine learning models, and to be clear, good models, uh, don't generalize to a single case. Um, all that means is that um, if you have one player that doesn't look good, you shouldn't just build. You shouldn't just tweak your model until you know that player looks good. Right. Uh, and and there's obviously some give and take there because like if Steph Curry is last in three point percentage, obviously your model's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's kind of a different story. So uh, basically, um, so yeah, for every stat we. Um, we have a number of models. Uh, one of them is a player personalized model. Um, and so we basically, if the player personalized model is better than the non-player personalized model, then we use that one. Uh, so we you know, do some, some tests to see if that one's better. Um, but all that to say, um, yeah, basically certain stats just have a little bit more ebbs and flows than like a typical like machine learning model is able to figure out. Um, yeah. So, like the in the in the explainer article, you, you you mentioned essentially trying to solve for the Steph Curry problem, right? Like he he, you're a a 
model that is not personalized is always going to cap him out at like 41 42 percent three-point shooter right he shoots over that literally every year because he's such a freak outlier yeah to not account for that is to deny him some of his value right and and also like you know not only are we you know we're in we're trying to give out like fantasy projections as a company but also you know we're trying to be interesting from a media perspective and so it's like okay well we have to look sane (laughs) and so this is just kind of like a how can we make our projections a little more sane if that makes sense you know you don't want to say uh we don't want to be publishing uh numbers that kind of don't make sense so yeah i think i think that's that's part of the drive there um so yeah but i mean you can see the 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 model itself just it just doesn't think players um are gonna make that many especially if they take as many as he does so basically the machine learning model looks at stuff and says okay he's taking the most three-point attempts basically and so there's no way that he can be shooting higher than 41 percent because um he's he's you know a single case um of, of, you know, we have, I think we use um, about uh, 10-ish years of kind of box score data mm-hmm. uh, to do this. Um, yeah, because like anybody else that's not Stephen Curry that starts taking that level of volume on three-pointers is it by nature incorporating some pretty difficult shots exactly. into that. Uh, exactly. So that has a natural depressing effect on their percentages, unless they're Stephen Curry and they're a complete alien and right. it doesn't matter how, how difficult their shots are, they're going to hit, uh, you know, an insane percentage of them. It's like the defense basically doesn't matter, which reminds me of the old, um, I think it was skeptical sports. Uh, um, I forget what his name actually is. I just know his Twitter handle, but he had that article. I uh, think ben Morris. For, yeah. Ben Morris. That's right. Uh, he, I think made the case at one point that Steph should just shoot three pointers every single time down the floor. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> because it would basically be the best offense in the league every year uh, if you just had him shoot every time down. That's I don't know true. how his teammates would feel about that. I, uh, I believe but... uh, Nick Nurse has a has an option for that uh, <laughs> called the boxing one. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's like it's very warping, and and yeah, it's. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it's definitely cheating a little bit to just take that one example because you know our model like really likes, you know, it it, it kind of figured out Steph, um, mm-hmm. um, and and we do this for all of our box score projections. We don't we don't like I said before we don't use it for all of our box score projections because in some of the cases the personalized models weren't as good. Um, but once we once we were able to kind of figure out a way to do that, um, we were really excited and kind of added it, um, and as just you know to make sure that the numbers were a little more accurate. Yeah, so there are basically specific statistics that you're able to project uh, using the personalized models because those are better fit versus other statistics that you just use the more generalized model. That's right, yep. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, Well, so... I, I botched my segue earlier <laughs> 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 trying to trying to get into the the bulls but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lurch into a very ugly segue right now okay I, I do want to talk about uh, about the Here bulls and um, and sort of how they rank in trip and one yeah. of the things that I, I think uh, that's really interesting and I, I think it, the, the segue that I initially tried to make was about sort of the fluidity of player value um, and the bulls are a team that that turned over a lot of uh, players I think they uh, it's the roster is basically like 80% different. Um, I think they had one of the highest turnovers Crazy. in the league. 
Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of guys. Are you including in, uh, Are you including Vooch in that calculation? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I would, right? Like, he, yeah. he only played, I think, uh, maybe... I was going to say, because if you're not, like, yeah, I mean, the fact that, yeah, even, like, Vooch, like, that, that's just, yeah, it's crazy. Sorry, I'm just, I'm concurring. It's crazy how many, <laughs> how different the Bulls are. Yeah, and so I think that, like, um, you've mentioned to me in, I think, DMs and, and Slack chats and various uh, forums uh, or <laughs> that, um, that... The Bulls were, that were a team that, that Drip was maybe higher on than consensus coming into the year, and yeah. it seems like you know looking at the the sort of uh, the Delta page um, that it likes the Bulls sort of even more than it, it, it did prior to the start of the year. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's you know a few guys driving that. I, you know, I was actually surprised to see, um, and, and maybe this is just a testament to the fact that like shooting numbers are really noisy, uh, mm-hmm. but Vucevic is actually, his projection is up very slightly, yeah. um, and, which is, uh, you know, to anybody that's been watching the Bulls, he'd be like, well, how? But he's had, you know, very low turnovers. He's still passing the ball well. I think all of his defensive metrics are probably pretty good. Um, yeah. He just can't shoot <laughs> shoot straight right now. Um, yep. So is, is that all that's going on there, uh, that he basically is just, uh, you know, it's not buying that the the sort of small sample noise of, of him not being able to, to shoot all of a sudden? Basically, I, I would say that uh, the model really thinks that his his kind of adjustment to his usage is real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, you know, he didn't have too many games under his belt um, for the model to have updated. But I think we had his usage at around like, yeah, it looks like we had it at 29%. Um, and, and as of this recording it's at 21% which is an absolutely massive drop off um and so the model definitely kind of agrees like with his scoring drop uh, if that makes mm. sense um but yeah in terms of like his true shooting percentage is like overall efficiency um it, it doesn't seem to be like super super real um at least versus the beginning of the season so uh we have it as dropping by only about like three percentage points um which you know is the equivalent of like 0.06 points per shot for those keeping score at home um (laughs) yeah so yeah that that is below league average right so um so yeah he's he's definitely um i would say like yeah clearly in like some sort of a little bit of a slump um Mm -hmm. and i yeah i i don't know i mean you tell me like is it like he's, he's not having the right spot in the offense for for like is is it is the ball just not getting to him? Like, like what's happening? So I think like I mean his, his usage shrinking is I think just kind of a, a natural byproduct of playing with um, being a big man and playing with with guards who are actually can command. Yeah, himself. yeah. Because uh, right. you know his time in Orlando, which Orlando. is where. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, some of honestly, some offense. Some of it's Orlando. Orlando. I love you. you know, they're, I got, they're... <laughs> that's perform. Got to represent. Got to represent our our squad over there. But yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. Different, yeah, different yeah. Uh, personnel. <laughs> that, that's fair. Yeah, they they. they I, I forgot about the relationship. There, but but, uh, but I mean, you know, to to the to the guards that they've had uh, over the the years with Fooch, you know, yep. some offense because they they didn't have guys that were you know really uh, worth giving the ball to um, as guards for the most part while Vooch was there. Right. So he you know just commanded a really high usage. So I think like his um, usage coming down, you know, from 
29 to 21% is not all that shocking to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do think that like, you know, you and I have been at the, um, you've made it a, into your actual professional life and I've uh, continued to just do this stuff as a hobby, but we've both been in the, uh, the usage versus efficiency wars for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, typically when you see a, a decline in, in usage rate um, like that, you would expect, you know, the efficiency to improve. And I think that we might get there, honestly, because I think that he's been getting really good shots. Okay. Um, because I was looking at, uh, I was looking at the uh, PBP stats uh, tracking um, shot quality model. Oh, cool! The other day, uh, I tweeted about this. Uh, this is the one that's behind a, a Patreon paywall. You should pay for it because uh, Daryl Blackport is um, just—he's the goat. He's a god amongst men when it comes to you know providing tools for uh, so many people to do their. Uh, to do their writing jobs and for hobbyists uh, like me to, um, to, you know, dive into the numbers. And uh, yeah, if you can throw him a few dollars, yep. uh, you also get access to some cool tracking data that he doesn't make public on the, um, on the, the free uh, side of the site. Um, and it's worth it to support him, even if you don't use it. So, That's right. um, but in any event, uh, I think the only players that were shooting worse on their, um, their shot diet, uh, you know, adjusting for, and even like he has a model that is adjusting for league average on those shot locations. And then he has another model that is personalized to the specific player shooting. Um, speaking of personalized player models, hey. uh, <laughs> uh, and Vooch in both cases was like the third worst player with a hundred shots or more. Oh, um, I think it was like, uh, MPJ and Dame were the only ones that were shooting worse than him. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I think when I looked at his expected, uh, you know, field goal percentage, on the shots he was getting, it was pretty high. Like, I think he's getting good shots. He just, okay. he's just not making them. Uh, I, guess, which... I think my initial concern was that he was just being Kevin loved. Like, no, no, actually they run, they run a lot of action for him. Yeah. Uh, so he is kind of um, the hub of the offense to a certain extent, because they want to run a lot of pick and roll with him and a lot of pick and roll uh, with him and Zach and a lot of pick yeah. and roll with, uh, with him and Lonzo and a lot of pick and roll with him and um and damar uh and even they, they do it some with with caruso which i don't really love because alex caruso should should not uh make decisions as a ball handler oh really <laughs> he's, uh. he's he's not great at it uh, he's gr- amazing incredible defender but uh as a as a pick and roll decision maker he's been a bit of a train wreck um yeah i i but, i was wondering like yeah if 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 like pairing Levine with Vooch was, was something that could possibly like not be the best possible thing for Vooch. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, like I said, I think he's been getting really good shots because teams are, are even uh, Zach has been playing uh, for most of the season with one hand essentially, because he uh, sprained his left thumb like really badly. (laughs) He's got it wrapped every night. I I Um, did see your tweets about that. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, And yeah, Zach is, it's like, was in the top 15 of like, worth shooting relative to expectations given how good a shooter he is um so like the bulls are seven and three with both of those guys like shooting way under expectations and i don't i don't think they had anybody on the other side really yeah and the whole league is like shooting down so yeah it's like kind of a weird it feels like extra worse kind of (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah so zach is uh but they've been running a lot of like empty side uh pick and roll with, with Zach and, uh, and Vooch, which is a kind of a pet action that they, they like. And, um, it's good for that one is good for Zach because, 
uh, I talked about this last episode with, with Ben Taylor, but uh, Zach is good at basically making one read, which is either pass or shoot <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he runs pick and roll. And like he right. pretty much targets the big man only. And so if you run empty side pick and roll, he can, you know, uh, there, there's fewer uh, defensive hands to, to, you know, to screw him up. Um, and so they've gotten a lot of open looks for, for Vooch that way. And uh, he has just been struggling to, to knock yeah. them down. And um, even like just his shots at the basket and stuff, he's, uh, which that that's the one that makes me a little bit more nervous. It's just, um, you know, he's never been a, an explosive leaper or anything like that yeah. uh, to begin with. And, you know, his game is not predicated on that, but uh, guys that barely jump over, you know, uh, a few sheets of paper to start <laughs> with, uh, when it, when it goes, uh, you know, they start to have trouble finishing. And so that's, that's the thing that I'm really keeping my eye on. I, I think the okay. jump shooting will come around, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. We, we have his three point percentage at like 36 and his free throws at 82 currently. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, definitely like in reasonable territory it's, you know, it's dropped a little bit, but yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he's got his, you know, his whole career in, in, in your projections. And like you said, they, um, I think I don't know if this is the same way that you that you guys do it, uh, but I know I'm pretty sure that uh, Darko when they do their stuff, it's like a, essentially an exponential decay function. Um, okay. So for people that aren't incredible nerds that are listening to this, exponential decay just basically means that you weigh uh, you might weigh uh, the last game. Uh, you know, if you if you put like a one weight on the last game, you might put like. Uh, you know, some, some fraction of that for the game before that. Like point nine nine nine. Yeah. And then a, a slightly smaller fraction. Uh, so point nine nine eight or something. Uh, and then on down the line uh, to, to weigh, it's essentially a weighted average of all of the, um, uh, all of the prior performance of that player uh, using, um, you know, weights that are sort of optimized uh, for, each statistical category. So, yep. you know, uh, points might be uh, more subject to, uh, you, you might want to use more recent stuff for that. Uh, whereas like something like shooting percentage, you probably are going to have a less of a weight on the, the more recent stuff and the historical stuff will get a slightly heavier weight. Uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, so I think I would say of all the things that Darko and Drip have done, uh, I would say the yeah, kind of the the ability to use what I like to call time series features, um, which is a, just a nerdy way of saying like um, like your your line graph <laughs> over time, like like yeah. your moving average, like the fanciest schmanciest moving average of all time um, in. I would say the vast majority of the work that I did and also Kasia did, and, and I actually, I, 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 I contributed a little bit of this uh, to Darko back in the day, um, just when, when Kasia and I were, were spitballing ideas, um, really just me randomly thinking of something and saying, hey, Kasia, you should try this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of it was focused on that. So currently we, we don't use uh, exponential decay. Uh, it's something we've talked about um, and relatively easy to implement like in future in Drip mm-hmm. 2.0 next year. Um, uh, we are not using it. And so I would say if you are if you were to look at Drip and Darko, that actually probably would be the biggest single difference um, mm-hmm. in, in kind of the rate at which players update. Um, there's probably some benefits, probably some 
uh, negative side effects to that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, uh, I would say the benef- the easy benefit for us is that we don't have to deal with overfitting. <laughs> so basically, if you if you use too many data points, your your the your model will it's just more prone to overfit, uh, which just means it memorizes the input data for your listeners. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the um, we you know cut that by pretty big portion by currently not using exponential decay we use some other stuff like the padding method and uh, what's mm-hmm. called like a Bayes filter um which is okay so th- that yeah. was one of one of the other questions i wanted to ask you so i i read the the method methodology i saw that there was a link to the Bayes filter but i figured i'd ask you because you can explain it to me probably in plain english better than i can understand it reading <laughs> reading a definition for it online so yeah. the, the Bayes filter what, what is that how does that work yeah great question um yeah lots of uh sweat and tears on that one um but basically um you can imagine that at every point so kind of before the model gets to the machine learning part like before you know we kind of we kind of hand over all of our data points to to machine learning and say go forth and predict for us please um (laughs) go forth and and figure out the answer um is is yeah so so one of the primary ways, you know, you could just take a player's like career average. That's one like time series feature. But the other time series, the way that base filter kind of time series feature it works is that um, at each point in a player's career, uh, you update uh, their statistic X. So we'll, we'll just say like, you know, um, assist rate or something. So um, you have to start with a prior. So like, you're, if you're a rookie or the first game of a player's career in your sample, you have to have some sort of projection for their game one. Uh, so we do a lot of work to figure that out. But then uh, for game two, so they played one game. Okay, well, they had a certain assist rate in game one. So the base filter uh, is kind of optimized to update um, game two based on game one. And then it updates game three based on the prior prediction, um, game two, and so forth. So Rather than using a single average, uh, it updates what we say what we call recursively. Um, so basically, it um, every update um, updates the next update. <laughs> um, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, it's it can get pretty gnarly and ugly quickly. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, our company has done some work to kind of make it pretty robust and simple and easy to use. Nice. Um, and so yeah, we've actually. Uh, implemented that and uh, we've I've uh, been trying to uh, help our our soccer team and our cricket team uh, use it as well for some of their stuff for example nice um, yeah that, that makes that makes it make a, a bit more sense to me it, it's it's funny because like conceptually I mean I guess it would make sense that it would be conceptually similar to an exponential decay function uh, but it's not Obviously, it func- doesn't function in quite the same way. And um, you mentioned sort of like uh, overfitting as, as being a problem of, of essentially memorizing the input set or, or the input data set. I, I think the, to just to put a finer point on that, again, for the audience, um, the problem with overfitting is that uh, the model will think that all data coming in the future will look like the data that it already has seen. And it does a better, it bad, better. <laughs> it does a worse job predicting <laughs> out of sample. Um, I know words. I'm, How to words. 
<laughs> I know how to words. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it does a worse job um, uh, predicting out of sample if your model is overfit because it's it's looking for a pattern that won't necessarily be there in the yeah. the next um, set of out of sample data. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The the easy example people give in basketball land is like uh, the old box plus minus model was trained before Russell Westbrook started averaging a triple double, <laughs> and yep. like and you know a little bit triple double, well a lot bit triple double hunting. Um, so so yep. when when he started doing that triple double at such a high scoring rate in the modern era, it it broke because it thought it thought you know in order to do this, uh, you know. It was it it had this pattern that it was using, uh, and and the pattern was uh, uh, not ready for numbers of that size, basically. Yeah, exactly. I think that you know in the past, basically the 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 way I would say it is that in the past uh, there was a very strong correlation between mm-hmm. um, somebody that was very good at getting rebounds and very good at getting assists, um, especially because assists were often a proxy. I mean, uh, well, assists are a proxy for other things, but uh, uh, rebounds are a proxy often for height. So if you're a really tall guy that passes really well, um, you're super valuable. Um, See, for example, Nikola Jokic. Um, uh, Also, Bill Walton as a historical example. Um, Bill Russell was a really good passer. Ben Simmons? (laughs) (laughs) The best passing big man of all time. Yeah, I, I'm okay. more of the opinion that Ben Simmons' assists are a little rondo-y. Yeah. Um, which, Definitely uh, not Jokic quality. <laughs> no, he's not creating layups or, or three-pointers. Uh, or And just because he doesn't draw defensive attention in the way that uh, people that can score. Um, right. And our guest from last week, uh, Ben right. Taylor, has done a, a ben ton Taylor. of work. This is the Ben Taylor talk, man. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah he, he's done a ton of work on um, the importance of being able to score to, to create uh, – higher value um, assists uh, and, you know, different people are, are better, uh, better able to do that. So he has his box creation metric, which is, you know, essentially how, how good are you at, um, uh, at, you know, creating opportunities. And then his, he has a passer rating metric, which is okay, but also how good are the, how, how good are the passes that you're actually throwing when you're creating those right. opportunities? Uh, so yeah. those kind of work uh, hand in hand. To be clear, I, I do not think Ben Simmons is the best passing big <laughs> man of all time. It's it's really just a joke about how Ben Simmons' shot profile is that of Dwight Howard's, and so I call him a big. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, he's like the, the only person in the world that doesn't seem to understand that he's not a point guard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about that all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. There's the the Ben Simmons thing is is interesting. I, I I almost mentioned him earlier when you were talking about how you didn't include any any playoff data, and I was like, wow. So Ben Simmons should actually look worse than than he does. Uh, <laughs> I was well, uh, well, well. His 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 Darko, I'm pretty sure, went up in the playoffs because I mean, except for the end of games, he actually. Played pretty freaking amazing in the playoffs, to my recollection. Yeah, well, just you know, the, those those fourth quarters they, they count too. <laughs> I mean, maybe count. they count too much in a lot of people's heads. So that that's maybe a fair argument, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to to argue with uh, with the fact that uh, he kind of disappeared for the fourth quarter of an entire series in the playoffs, which is 
not great. Which nope. is why he's in the situation he's in now. Um, yeah. Well, that and Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid uh, backing backing over him multiple times with a bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I'm I'm a little bitter at the Sixers right now because they just beat my bull. They, they just beat the Bulls, you know, uh, two games in a row, shorthanded. Which, uh, speaking of like you know, uh, hot shooting and shooting over your shot profile, uh, Seth Curry is like. Uh, playing as well or, or shooting as well anyways as anybody that you'll ever see right ever, now he's ever he's, ever <laughs> yeah he's absolutely like on a scorcher that like i don't know if you have a chance to watch seth curry right now or if you like have an ability to go back and watch games from like the last week you should watch him because he has he just can't miss he's everything he he's throws up even if it's contested is is just all net it's uh yeah. infuriating to watch if you're if you're playing if your team is playing against him um yeah yeah he's he's number one in uh in drip three-point percentage <laughs> yeah he's surpassed his brother which is insane because <laughs> no, nobody should ever surpass that <laughs> well, yeah. but right now he's on a heater so That's you know it, it's probably correct um yeah. you know if you're trying to just project for tomorrow uh seth is uh it's hard to argue with, with where he's at, but, um, yeah, just that guy drive me crazy. Yeah. Um, must suck, but <laughs> it was, it was not fun. It was definitely not fun. Well, at least he didn't um, lose to the Lakers by three. <laughs> oh yeah. So for those who don't know, uh, Nate is a, um, is it, do you, do you have Nate or Nathan? Or do you uh, I, I like Nathan. So, okay. Let's do that. All right. So Nathan is a. Uh, I apologize. I, I called you Nate because you had before uh, drip was drip. It was called Nate's rates. True <laughs> <laughs> story. Yeah, lots of people call me Nate. It, it just it's. I I had my Twitter name as Nate a long time ago. So I think that's. Gotcha. Funny. Gotcha. All right. Well, Nathan's uh, a partisan of the uh, Charlotte Hornets, and yeah, so that is the reference to <laughs> losing to the. <laughs> Uh, the Lakers by three, which is yeah, that's a rough one because the Lakers, they are not good uh, this yeah. year. Which um, I I about five hundred, but yeah, well, yeah, but also I feel like they've played worse than that. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, they've had like a um, I versus think, uh, expectations. They're definitely the worst team in the yeah. league. Yeah, I think. Well, also uh, Krishna um, Narsu, uh, our our buddy. Um, used uh, actually used drip to uh, do like uh, I think basically adjusting for which players were playing in a given game uh, strength of schedule ranks uh, and I think the Lakers were pretty close to the bottom on that and Jeez. despite all that despite how weak their schedule has been they have not been <laughs> very good wow so yeah yeah they're near the bottom that's crazy <clears throat> um but so. Circling back to the Bulls, because uh, I, I have to. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I noticed uh, before the season, you know, when I first looked at uh, – before you put the, the nice uh, team filter on the website, which I've, I very much appreciate because it makes my life easier. Uh, but I went looking for DeMar DeRozan uh, to see what Drip thought of him. And uh, it likes his offense quite a bit. Um, which is makes sense that passes the the smell test and you know a sanity check, but it thought his defense was some of the the worst in the league, and now he has improved by nearly a whole 
uh, point per 100 possessions. I think he's at uh, plus 0.8 so far. Um, and his defense has come up to, you know, not uh, nothing, no great shakes or anything. Still, still, I would say bad. Um, but I think that it seems like most of his improvement has been on the defensive end. So he went from being like almost, le- you know, in that bottom uh, quadrant of uh, of defensive suck to like merely like just kind of not great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it does seem like the, the Bulls in general, uh, by and large, have, have improved. Uh, is that just a function of, uh, I mean, obviously it's probably going to vary and there's a million variables, um, or not a million, but like 30 for each, each player. But yeah. uh, it, it seems like maybe that's a function of the fact that the Bulls defense has been better than, than expected. Yeah, um, for sure. I, which yeah. is driving on and off stuff. Yeah, so funny enough, like we we don't really think much of his offensive improvement is super legit at the moment. Like, like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe we were just like, a, we were like kind of high on him to begin with. Um, and yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, you guys had him as like a plus 2.4. Yeah. Uh, or that's where you have him now. And I think it was pretty close to that at the start of the year. I, I don't think it, his offense really shifted a whole lot. Yeah. 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 His offense has gone from basically 2.4 to 2.4. Um, or yeah, he was 2.5. Now he's 2.4. So he, he actually dropped a little bit, which sounds crazy. So, um, all I have to say the defensively, like, yeah, defense is really hard for metrics like this to do a good job of. Um, so if you just want to know, Hey, how good is a player on defense? The first place I would look is maybe not necessarily a stat like drip. Um, you know, we're doing our darndest, we're doing our best. Um, but yeah, like lineup data, notoriously finicky, um, in particular stuff like opponent three-point shooting which we're not we're not really adjusting for at the moment um but yeah so the bulls have obviously done well on defense and and demar's kind of our our view on his defense has definitely jumped the most of anyone on the bulls um Mm -hmm. so yeah maybe you know didn't quite believe in that all the way um his yeah his like on-court defensive rating of his lineups uh we we projected that to have gotten better by four and a half points, um, which wow. now, now a lot of players in the league have, have dropped their right. Because like we said before, we don't incorporate seasonality or anything like that. So we're just kind of across the board. Players have better defensive ratings right now. And that's because offense is down. <laughs> um, right. So all that to say, um, yeah, I, I think um, some just general like competency. Um, it, it, it thinks he, he has some like general better competency on defense um, and doesn't seem super like enamored with his profile on offense, which is kind of surprising, but I think his, his assists have dropped like kind of considerably um, yeah. since the beginning of the season. Um, and, and that's probably the offset there. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that like, that's one of the things that I think I'm trying to figure out how to, how to say this. So I think that one of the things that um, some of the metrics that are sort of uh, linear uh, in terms of you know taking per 100 numbers and then putting them into a projection for, um, and I don't know if, if uh, Drip 
you know, the, the weights are strictly linear. Um, but one of the things that, that I notice, at least with, with when you're taking box score numbers and trying to project them to impact stats, you know, in general, that works pretty well. Um, it's, you know, it's not amazing, uh, but it, it works pretty well. And I would say that with guys changing roles um, like that, uh, like DeMar's assists have gone down, but I think that uh, one, that's an output, right? Like that's some of that I think is just like uh, the Bulls shooters haven't been making shots. True. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah like kind of like we said before, and, offense is down. So we just, we would, ex- we would expect yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. And then I, I, the other thing that I would say about that is just like, Damar is, he's still got a really high usage rate, but he yeah. is less the focal point of the offense. Um, I think he probably has a lower time of possession with the mm-hmm. ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though that his usage is, uh, you know, and I, I could go pull up the NBA stats.com page right now, but I uh, his, his usage has gone up actually in drip, uh, surprisingly, but, uh, yeah. but that's just versus the beginning of the season. So. Yeah, yeah, and but usage also is just like a, a measure of you uh, know shots and turnovers, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so like uh, in terms of like actual you know ball dominance, how long he's holding the ball, those sorts of things, I, I think that um, that he is probably uh, has the ball in his hands less just because yeah. he's playing with with Zach and and, and Vooch, right. um, and even Lonzo Ball who. Uh, has been getting to dribble the ball and, and do a bit more with it than he did in uh, New Orleans, where they uh, essentially just turned him into uh, Danny Green if he was a genius passer. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, which is like a really good player. That's like but... the goat, <laughs> according to, <laughs> to a lot of these these metrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, uh, your uh, uh, drip does have Lonzo as a as a. Uh, top 50 player which you know yeah. that we that really drives. like lonzo yeah for sure yeah uh yeah he's even improved a bit uh in drip uh not as much as damar but um he's one of the other notable improvements but i think lonzo being as good as he is was i think one of the um one of the things that made uh drip like uh the bulls yeah. quite a bit as a team um but also just like looking at their top five like they have five guys that project pretty positively yeah um so that you know always helps and, and zach zach isn't uh drip thinks pretty poorly of zach's defense which i i think uh you know what like you mentioned the the defensive metrics are are tough especially when you're projecting from from box score yeah. um i think zach's a little better than drip thinks he is on defense uh but it can only obviously go by by the numbers um and I think Zach right now is a little bit of a um, – he's, he's hurt a little bit by the fact that uh, DeMar has gotten – he's basically the doing the – DeMar is doing the Kyle Lowry role that uh, Lowry played a lot when DeMar and Kyle played together where he basically floats the bench units um, and, and keeps them chugging along. Right. Uh, and they've had pretty good on-off stuff. Uh, with Demar doing that, and the starters have struggled a little bit more to to find their footing um, and to to work out, you know, the offense. And uh, I think even defensively, it, you know, Zach and Demar together is just uh, often tough <laughs> defensively. Yeah, yeah, that um, yeah. That's I mean, that's super. I mean, even if you had a perfect metric, 
that would be kind of hard to account for, right? Like if you have a yes. if you have a pairing that is like especially worse, like then then the model you then kind of the statistics you care about is the pair rather than like the single player. If that makes sense, like there's yeah. single player metrics can only take you so far. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that I think that is um, you understand this, and I, I think that most people that uh, care about this stuff actually do understand very well that. Um, I think part of, <laughs> I, I think that a lot of, uh, there's a lot of straw manning about, uh, folks in the analytics space. People talk about it. Like they don't understand context where it's like most people that are into this stuff actually understand the context of the metrics better than anybody because they either help develop them or they just are like me and are a nerd and want to yeah. know. Uh, so we just ask a million questions until, you know, all of the, uh, potential blind spots and, you know, try to think through all the potential um, questions around, you know, what about this? Could it handle this situation? And yeah. you're like, well, no, not really. And then you can be like, all right, well, then if I see that situation, I know to, to give this a little bit, you know, less credence. If, um, if you can, if I could split stats people into two categories, I would say category one is people who think that stats are the only answer and the stat that they have is the only answer. And, I have to say, if you're that person, you could not be more wrong. <laughs> There's a name for that. It's called Dunning Kruger, and you, it's you're just that's you're wrong. <laughs> and then the other camp is those that understand the limitations. And the better you understand the limitations, just like with any kind of thing you are good at or thing you're any uh, practice, like knowing knowing the limitations is is the way to improve. And so, yeah, I think I think most like smart analytics folks like have that like pretty deeply ingrained into them and like yeah all in one numbers are are super super limited they 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 have a lot more power i think than a lot of people like initially might think you know they they have a lot of predictive power like for future basketball games um mm -hmm. which is kind of what what drew me to them just from a wow that's interesting perspective um but yeah like it there's there's things that they literally can't tell you because it's it's only a single number so you know you can't you can't just look at you know, say how uh, Andre Iguodala played, um, you know, in the regular season and be like, that's who he is in the playoffs. Like, I don't know, that's a terrible example, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, th I think that uh, what you're, you're getting at makes, makes a lot of sense to me. It's you're, I think that, I mean, it's been shown in a lot of different fields that pairing um, sort of insights from, you know, whether you want to call it data science or analytics or, you know, just, uh, sort of uh, statistics, uh, pairing that with with understanding of uh, whatever the field is that you're you're doing, whether yeah. that's you know uh, subject matter expertise. Yeah, and some sort of subject matter expertise. So I work like my day job is in, like in the insurance world, um, and if you went just by uh, a model all of the time for everything. Um, you would miss things, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it might not maximize sort of the the ROI to to uh, an insurance company. But in any case, uh, I, I think that uh, you know it, it's true across a lot of a lot of different industries, right? And yeah. sports is no different. Uh, pairing those two things together, subject matter expertise and, and sort of understanding of how to to properly model that um yeah. is uh the the way to go and the only way to to really do this stuff um effectively and i think that like the more that you know from a just 
um, team perspective or whatever, the more you have are able to empower, um, you know, coaching staffs and, and front offices to um, to be literate in this stuff, to know how to ask the right questions um, based on their, you know, their subject matter expertise. I think that uh, th- that that's how you, you do it sort of to be maximally effective. And, and I am, it is cool to see uh, some teams hiring, uh, you know, data folks to be on the coaching staff, essentially. Yeah. Um, our, okay. you know, our mutual buddy, uh, Owen Phillips was just hired by the Knicks by right. our other mutual buddy, uh, Nick Restifo, uh, shout out to, to both of them. Um, I'm a Bulls fan. Uh, so it's, it's hard for me to, <laughs> to accept good things happening for the Knicks, but, uh, those guys are both great. And, uh, you know, um, it doesn't really surprise me that, uh, Tom Thibodeau is, uh, you know, interested in having the most information cause he, he just seems like, uh, you know, he wants he's it all. A grind- <laughs> yeah, he's a grinder. He wants everything at his at his fingertips that he can possibly use to get an edge. He he wants every edge. And yeah, hundred um, percent. Super exciting for them. I wanted to I wanted to ask you. Do you think that? Uh, do you personally think? And then we'll, we can ask about uh, drip. What is your your take for Miles Bridges for for most improved? Do you think that's going to happen, or are do you think that the mm. uh, the points per game gods are going to get him? Uh, yeah, trying to detach myself from Drip after being like I've like lived inside this this uh, Drip I don't know like <laughs> bu- bubble for the last like several months. Um, and I'm a Hornets fan. Uh, I th- I think that. I think he has like a pretty fair shake because he's been like kind of steadily like re-improving. He, he's had like a couple like career like ups and downs and he was kind of already on the way up at the end of last season and people didn't notice it or didn't notice it as much as, as you would think. Um, so I, I think from that perspective, he, he probably like has a, has a fair shake um, from the drip perspective. Yeah. Like he's, he's crushing it. Um, uh, I want to say he is definitely the best non-rookie kind of improver in drip. Yeah, he's he's definitely the number one. Uh, uh, we, we call it Delta on the site um, for the Hornets. And yeah, so among players with uh, a positive drip, um, he's um, or and and excluding rookies, he's basically uh, a, a, among the top of. Yeah, it's basically him and Jordan Poole, right? Yeah, um, but 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 he's better than Jordan Poole because uh, he he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he, like he the, plays defense, which Jordan Poole doesn't really do. Uh, but I will say that my favorite part about Miles Bridges getting good is that the theory of Miles Bridges is awesome. Like you just like watch him play, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like. Like he is obviously very athletic. I think his dunks are a little more exciting than he is athletic, though he is like extremely, extremely athletic. But like, just watching him play is is. It, I think he's the best dunker in the league. Sorry, <laughs> the best in-game dunker in the league. I he, I, I mean, prefer his dunks to Levine's in-game dunks and others in-game dunks. But I don't think that that's unfair. I really I love Zach's dunks. Um, Lonzo and and Zach is a, is a really nice combination. Um, yeah, yeah. Although yeah. it's re- it's really hard to to argue with Lamelo and and Miles Bridges I, as, yeah, a, as a combo. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, that that is one of the things that has been um, 
been cool about the team though is that uh, the, the Bulls team this year is that they have a lot of guys that can get up and, and dunk. Uh, yeah. And Lonzo is constantly uh, there to, th- <laughs> to throw yeah. lobs and potentially throw, you know, a 50 foot lob down the court yeah. for, for a dunk. It's awesome uh, which... having a ball brother on your team, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great. I highly recommend it. There's only one left. So <laughs> good luck. Supply, supplies are limited. I don't know that Leangelo is, is going to be as fun for anybody, but uh, you know, no, no real shots at, at Leangelo, but he, his, his brothers are obviously uh, much better, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no. Having I, yeah, a ball brother is great. I'm on. I'm on team Miles. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hope he wins it for a million reasons. Um, and he definitely seems kind of on pace to be to be that guy. Um, uh, so and drip. When you you guys have him projected basically for and points, unfortunately matter a ton for the MIP award and yeah. really for every award, but. Yeah. Um, so you guys have him projected for 27 points per 100, it looks like, yeah. uh, which is probably, I don't know, it's more than 20 points per 75, yeah, which is about like what almost, you would get for starters minutes. Yeah, almost exactly 20 on the dot, 20.4. Uh, um, and and where, where was he at uh, as an average last year? Yep. I'm just curious oh, about that. Oh, uh, his average per 100? Well, yeah, we could Google it. I could give you the drip at the end of the season, but... <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that that is like accounting for like the of, that's the other thing is like improvement from the end of the year is uh, that's like um, you know for any of the degenerates in the audience like one of the ways to to pick a most improved player candidate is to just look at who started to really take off towards the end of uh, the prior season because yeah. most people only look at the averages. And the correct answer was the correct answer was going to be MPJ, but uh, it's not going to happen anymore. I don't think. No, his yeah, that's that's a bummer for. Yeah. I mean, I love Nikola Jokic is my favorite non-bull, um, and yeah, seeing uh, him uh, or seeing MPJ uh, his back kind of fall apart on him really when paired with the Murray injury. Yeah, it really awful. seems like it's uh, it's not great for their window as as contenders, especially because. Yeah. They uh, they didn't trade MPJ when he was his value was at its highest. They they gave him the big contract, uh, yeah. and the the back issues that caused him to fall into the in the draft seem to have uh, come back at a at a very inopportune moment for the Nuggets, which yeah. is a, a huge bummer. Yeah, luckily Jokic is playing out of his mind. Um, so yeah, looks, yeah, he's just picking up all the slack. Looks like uh, yeah, Bridges is he's he's kind of increased his total by like thirty five percent. Um, so yeah, last yeah. year he was like 21.2 per hundred. Now he's like 28.7. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty massive improvement, um, in, in the scoring department. So I would not be surprised if he's right there. I think that the Warriors, uh, media machine is going to try to force it to, um, to Jordan Poole, but I I think that I I, I bet on uh, Jordan Wara just as a long oh, shot okay. bet <laughs> at the start of the year, uh, just because I saw him playing and I was like, oh man, he he can actually play, and he wasn't like really even on a roster, uh, like getting any minutes last year. Um, but you know that was probably too too much of a long shot. Hey, there's but, there's a lot of games left to play. Yeah, there's a lot but, of time uh, for you know Miles could you know not be as amazing the rest of the season. Who knows? 
yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I have some faith that, that this stuff that he's doing now is, is real. Uh, I think Drip and Darko would both uh, agree with that. So um, hopefully he keeps it up and, you know, knock on wood that he doesn't suffer any uh, injuries like MPJ did. Yeah. Uh, that would be awful. Um, but I think I think that's all I had had to, to cover. I, I wanted to get your, your Hornets takes. Do you have any other Hornets takes you want to get off before, before we uh, hang up? Uh, my expectations are always low, so I'm, I'm just gonna. <laughs> that's my main. That's oh, my I main wanted thing. to ask you, what do you think about Borrego? Because I've heard so, like very divergent opinions on him as a coach. Some people seem to really like him, and some people hate him. I, I, <laughs> my general opinion is that it's that it is actually very difficult to discern whether or not a coach is good. I think I think there's some very obvious cases cases where coaches are like clearly bad. Um, Luke Walton. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I would say he's just like he's good. He's like middle of the road. I don't. I mean, he he definitely like tries some things, and I think he's like relatively good at maximizing this particular roster. But you know, mm-hmm. nothing's like nothing's incredible, and and I honestly don't think anything's terrible because I had very low expectations, even like with Lamelo, just like given our size and everything. Like I just. And I love PJ, but I I think he's not doing the best right now. And I the fact that he's yeah taken our team without without a real center for the last you know however many games. No offense to Biz. Um yeah, so like moderate moderate success. We yeah. have had a lot of really good clutch play. Um mm-hmm. and uh, Terry Rozier um actually became kind of good, which I wasn't ready for or believe. <laughs> I still don't believe it really. Um, but yeah, so I would say to what degree you can like know that a coach is doing good, I would say he's at least in the middle, if not slightly above the middle. Oh, speaking, you've mentioned clutch play and, and sorry, that's going to get me on a tangent. So I'm not, letting, I'm not going to let you go that quickly. Uh, so, so you've, oh, you've done a... Get me started on clutch, man. This is, this is it. This is the meat of the podcast for everyone that stuck around to an hour plus. This is the good stuff. Yeah, so Nate has uh, one of his his obsessions. I think uh, for a long time has been uh, determining um, the degree to which clutch is real and uh, sustainable and predictive, sort of as a going forward uh, thing. Um, I think probably the the headline of some of the stuff that you've looked at and uh, Ben Morris, who we mentioned before, uh, is that winning seems to be um, if not a skill, at least something that uh, predicts future winning uh, and that clutch performance predicts future clutch performance. Um, and uh, I'm just going to open the floor to you. Yeah. What has your All research right. sort of taught you about that? My time to shine. Okay, here I go. So, no. So I actually did like a, a pretty, I called it like a shallow dive. I did like a really wide and shallow dive uh, kind of presentation on some basically clutch just statistics I found um, on uh, a few months ago. Um, and one of the things I found actually, which might bum you out slightly, is that the like the Ben the Ben Morris study with um, that included both points or excuse me, like margin of victory and win percentage. So like mm-hmm. a lot of people say, you know, your win percentage doesn't really matter. It's just your margin of victory. Some people like you and me say, well, your win percentage matters a little bit. Um, I found that uh, if you kind of uh, adjust for randomness uh, a little bit, um, and I did kind of a lot of ways to adjust for that, um, 
the your win percentage above your margin of victory does not seem to be really really good. Basically, it's not as strong as as like uh, Ben's study, which is a linear regression would show. Um, however, in every single, no matter how I split the data, including win percentage, helped predict slightly, slightly, slightly better. Um, and so there's a number of reasons for that. But basically, um, I do think that winning is a skill, but I also think that luck happens so much. So basically, the ability to tease out which wins happen because of like a skill and which wins happen because of luck is ex- exceedingly difficult without tons of research um, and like specific examples. Um, but I will say that there's a very clear way that we know, like everyone knows that clutch is real. And that's that if you have a team of 10% free throw shooters, <laughs> so just imagine a team of 10% free throw shooters uh, and they are, you know, down by one or down by two or however much four, I guess, is a, is a better place to start. And they're fouling or, or I'm sorry, I'm going the wrong direction. This Say they're in the lead and the other team starts fouling them. Well, <laughs> they're going to be terrible in the clutch. Like, so obviously, if you have a team of poor free throw shooters and you start fouling them in the clutch, like that's a pretty clear like repeatable, knowable trend. And and I in my research, I've seen that as well. So like the players that, you know, take a lot of shot attempts and take a lot of free throws and have a good free throw percentage, like that, that is your clutch score. Um, and so all that to say, <laughs> um, there's things that we know are like, players just play differently in that time. And so given that, we know that there's certain players that maybe aren't going to get the ball as much. So like, in in a lot of my research, like Shaq just like didn't get the ball. You know, it wasn't like this huge, huge, huge difference, but uh, it was enough where you would say like, okay, he's definitely going to score significantly less in in the clutch. Um, You know, Shaq's one of my favorite players of all time, but like, yeah. So we, you know, players that because of the way that the offense changes, the ball just gets in the hands of certain people differently and so that that just changes the way that games are structured in in a relatively repeatable way now that there's a difference between you know that and um someone you know making a half court shot right so like there's the ability to tease that out is is very difficult um but all i'd say i think there's some repeatability uh it's just kind of it's a little bit hard to tease out which of it is repeatable and which of it is random Gotcha. Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And and uh, Bulls fans, I'm sure you're curious about this. Um, the Bulls currently uh, number one in the league at 85.8 percent uh, on free throw shooting, and um, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, and uh, Vooch are pretty consistently over 80 percent foul shooters. So there you go. Um, uh, the Bulls being really good at free throw shooting. Uh, so far this year is probably part of the reason why they are seven and three and why they've been so good uh, down the stretch of um, a lot of close games and been able to come back and pull things out. Uh, and um, I, there is, you know, I guess some hope that uh, that will be something that uh, continues. Uh, I think they probably will get a little bit of um, regression on their free throw shooting just because they are far and away the best free throw shooting team in the league. Yeah. But um, I'd have to actually like sum up uh, what drip thinks of their free throw shooting uh, individually, you know, give a weighted average I, of attempts. And, I think that's a tweet. Uh, that's a tweet for, 
for today or tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah, that that that'll be part of the uh, the podcast promotion for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to remember uh, to ask you about about that. I, I think that um, you know that it does make sense that there are certain things that the end of games that does change, uh, and we know that about uh, the game and. Um, maybe there are things that the league could do to, uh, you know, change the end of games, like um, making it harsher to to take fouls on yeah. guys that are bad foul shooters. Um, but you know, as a as a Bulls fan who has a team full of good free throw shooters right now, and also somebody that uh, you know thinks that you should um, try to learn to be good at foul shooting if you want to be a professional basketball player, <laughs> um, then uh, you know I, I actually kind of like it that that you have to be able to do that to to win games. Yep. This is not at all a dig at Ben Simmons, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to be like a, a top, uh, consider yourself like a, a top, uh, top level player. Uh, maybe, maybe you should learn how to at least shoot foul shots. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, uh, Nathan, uh, l- let the audience know where they can they can find you, and uh, you can also, I guess, let them know. Uh, I'll put it in the, the show notes, but you can also let them know sort of where to find Drip. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on Twitter, I am twitter.com slash bbstats. Um, and then uh, Drip you can find on theanalyst.com uh, if you go to our NBA section and then go to the uh, NBA stats zone, you'll find our projections there. Yeah, it's a great website. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more of the analysis that you guys uh, put out around drip um, and just sort of some of the, the articles that, that uh, in content <laughs> that gets uh, put together uh, off of that stuff. But uh, Nathan, uh, thank you again for, for coming onto the show and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon uh, in one online forum or another. That's right. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kevin.